Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Welcome along to Tradies News in a nutshell. It is Thursday morning, the 5th of January, 2022 on, uh, in Sydney at least. A pleasantly cool, but slightly rainy uh, Thursday morning. Hopefully that rain goes away. We'll get stuck into the cricket in a moment. You're listening to us through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Queensland and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. Number still the same, 1300 01 1170, the open line number, or you can text 0457 736 736 with you for the next hour before uh, Jimmy Smith and Michael Carrianas come along with the summer breakfast show right across New South Wales and Queensland. Bit of a different show today. We'll keep you a track of all the sport happening, but of course the main focus is the Sydney Test. Day one done and dusted. We'll get stuck into that. Bit of tennis news floating around as well as we get closer to the Australian Open and a bit of rugby league news we'll try and get to between now and six. But our main focus is cricket and delighted to say someone that is I suppose mad enough to get up at this time in the morning to join me in the studio. You heard him here uh, with me last week. You've heard him on many shows on SEN over the past 12 or 18 months from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. Andrew Mensel is in the studio with me. Morning, Andrew. Yeah, good morning, Dan. How'd you find the early wake-up call this morning? I mean, it was very exciting to get up and come in here to talk about cricket. I always love uh, talking about the greatest game of all. Your first time in the SEN studio, so I'm well, a debutante, that's you right. Are, a lot of my friends have come in here, my co-host, Jaleesa Apps from the podcast is mm. offered in here doing summer breakfast. So I'm all ready. Yes, and she'll be back in here in a couple of weeks with uh, Jimmy and then doing a week with Julian as well. Now, uh, just before we get on to the cricket, for people that may not have heard you before, you mentioned Jaleesa, you do a podcast with her and uh, Paul Dennett. Just tell us a bit more about yourself and mm. your background in the sport of cricket. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Um, well, I, I started the cricket podcast 10 years ago in 2013 when podcasts weren't really a thing yet. Mm. And I started it out of frustration, and Australians will understand this. The only cricket podcasts at the time were about the English cricket team. Yep. I don't want to sit through that. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it myself. Mm. So I started the first regular weekly cricket podcast, mm-hmm. and now I've sort of moved into commentary. I commentate on some of the, the Shield, Marsh Cup some of the premier cricket in um, New South Wales. Okay, and if you have any questions for Andrew today, we're going to get stuck into the cricket from yesterday and some of the big issues, including the TV rights and the Big Bash being reduced a little later on. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 our open line number, or you can text 0457-736-736, not just about cricket, text about anything you like this morning. Uh, day one, a uh, lot of issues to come out of it, a COVID scare, bad light, a... Uh, Interesting decision in terms of the Marnish Labuschagne not out. We'll get to all of that in a second. But what did you make of day one? Disappointing that we didn't get a full day, but still always fun, the SCG test. I mean, the, the New Year's test is always a great occasion, but unfortunately, consistently over the last sort of five or six years, they're always affected by the rain. Yeah. So we had a, a very frustrating day, a good first session, but mm. then after 
the lunch break around 12.30. The light got pretty murky, mm. so the players went on and off. Mm. Uh, the rain came in in the afternoon, and we only ended up seeing around 40 overs play. So, you know, it was a frustrating day because there was over 30,000 people there. Mm. I saw the great Steve Waugh put out an Instagram post last night saying that cricket needs to do better with dealing with those bad light situations. Mm. And and it probably is something they have to look at. It's, it's not an easy fix, though. No, we'll get to that in just a second. But let's just rewind a bit to the start mm. of the day. And I got home just uh, in time for the pre-match ceremony. And I was watching it, sort of half watching it. And I noticed, uh, and there was no report of anything at that time, but I noticed in the National Anthem, Matt Renshaw not uh, standing directly next to Josh Hazelwood. And I thought that was a little odd uh, at the time. Um, and then, what, 20 minutes, half an hour later, the story came out about him being COVID positive. Positive. Now, from all reports, uh, he's not feeling too bad. At, at this stage, we'll play. They can bring a substitute in. How did that all unfold? And, and you've got to feel sorry for him. I've put on Twitter, he's worked so hard to get back into that Australian team. And the day uh, of the first test match, of his first test match in, what, four or five years, he comes down with COVID. Yeah. I mean, you're spot on. Uh, it's great for him to be recalled to mm. the test side. And he's made his only test century at the SCG. So I'm sure he's desperate to, to play and take mm. part in this game. And, mm. and the way it unfolded, it was very innocent. Mm. I think during the warm-ups, he said to the team doctor, he had some hay fever symptoms. And did he have uh, some hay fever medication? And then the doctor said, look, if I give you this, I actually have to do a COVID test. Mm. So they did the COVID test just to kind of tick the boxes mm. and the rat test came back positive. So mm. that was actually, the, the test came back after the anthem. So yep. I think at that stage it wasn't confirmed. Mm. And and I think the way it goes, um, Renshaw had to do the walk of shame. Like he was told to go and get all his stuff out of the dressing room and then wander down. And I think they put him in the AFL dressing rooms mm. on his own. Mm. So the poor bloke's been recalled to the test side um, and he's going to be stuck in the dressing room by himself for five days. So mm. it's quite a hilarious situation. It does show how far we've come in a year, though. That And I saw some vision of him uh, during one of the breaks in play going uh, down to the field and actually talking to one of the officials. Now, he was social distancing, but if you rewind 12 months, definitely two years ago, that would never be heard of. No, oh, no. It's, it's come a long way since mm. then. And, um, you know, Manus Labashain did a press conference af afterwards and he was asked, you know, how the players are feeling and if they're concerned about maybe COVID going through the team. And he said he wasn't concerned. Mm. But I think overall you don't want it to, to run through the team in the middle of a test match um, and maybe make four or five players sick. So that's the only concern, mm. I guess, is you wouldn't want half the team going down. There was some criticism of Matt Renshaw on social media and also apparently one of the TV networks about the fact that he was – he was sitting outside, but he wasn't wearing a mask. Uh, I, he was outside. He wasn't near anyone. But, I, I, look, I, I sort of understand that sort of situation. But it is the way we live now. You've you got to deal with COVID. Everyone is getting COVID, left, right and centre. And there's nothing we can do about it anymore. No, look, I, I'm no doctor. I'll make that very clear. <laughs> but my understanding is it's a very, very difficult for COVID to transmit outside. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think... Renshaw's fine. Um, it's quite interesting, though. When he was initially dropped from the test side, mm. one of the knocks on him was 
that he maybe needed to harden up a bit. He, he retired to hurt in a test in India because he wasn't feeling well. And I think there was a bit of a feeling maybe you need to just grow up and toughen up. So, mm. unfortunately, you know, the first test match back, he's, he's got sick. Mm. Um, but I just can't wait to see him bat. He's a fantastic player. He plays shots all around the ground. And mm. I hope he is well enough. If he's not well enough and his symptoms get worse, mm. uh, you probably see Peter Hanscom come into the team mm. for him and bat six. Mm. Uh, but if, if on the second day he actually is really sick, Marcus Harris might sub in because Peter Hanscom, I think, is joining the squad on the third day. So we're in a little bit of a funny period here. Yeah. Uh, but fingers crossed Maddie's okay. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. COVID aside, are you happy to see him back in the team? I am happy to see him back in the team. Mm. Um, he's a very talented player. I thought he was unlucky to get dropped the first time, but, Dan, it's, it's a funny story. I mean, he was pretty much in the team heading into the 2017-18 Ashes summer. Mm. He was locked in. Mm. But then in the Sheffield Shield, he barely got into double figures for three, four, five games. Mm. And the selectors were like, well, we probably can't pick him if he's not scoring any runs at Shield. They were literally zero. Mm. And it was just um, a funny situation where actually someone sort of played themselves out of the test side mm. through Shield form. So mm. I'm glad to see him back. He's very talented. Um and, and I think he's going to have a long test career. And you expect to see him on some tours this year as well? Yeah, so Australia goes to India straight after, um, well, in early February, straight after the Big Bash. And mm. Matt Renshaw went on the last Indian tour and he's played a lot of cricket in the middle order for Queensland. So he's really improved his game against spin bowling. So I think there's a really good chance he'll go. And again, Peter Hanscom, who I mentioned before, is another good player of spin bowling. So I think they'll both probably go to India. Okay, now... Uh one of the controversial moments of day one was uh, Manus Labuschagne not – well, he was awarded out. Then they – well, the soft call was out. Then they went to look at the replay, which seemed to last for about 10 minutes, and then they said um, not out. What did you make of it? Because I saw a tweet from you saying he was out. Uh, that you think they got that wrong? Yeah, I do think they got that okay. wrong. And uh, so after play, Manus Labuschagne – you said that he felt that there was some doubt there and that's why he didn't walk off when the, the catch was taken. Mm. Uh, the field of Simon Harmer said he caught it. And then they just went through a million replays, none of which were conclusive. Mm. And I don't understand why you would give him not out if there's no conclusive evidence that the ball bounced. Yep. Uh, I think the field had caught it. Uh, the South Africans were very disappointed. Anrich Nokia um, said in the press conference that they all thought it was out. And uh, um, uh, apparently there's some ca the camera angles on Channel 7 because mm -hmm. they have their own cameras aside from Fox Cricket that yep. show the ball pretty clearly going into Harmer's fingers. They showed that. I was watching Channel 7 at the time. They showed that after, obviously, the decision was made. But it did look – that angle that they showed looked a lot more clearer with him catching it than all the other angles we saw during the decision. Yeah, and, and they've got to get this right, Dan, because this is very frustrating for fans, everybody watching – when you, you just look at a million replays to see, you know, if the fingers were under it, you're never going to see if the fingers were under it unless we get some, you know, heat X-ray cameras. So uh, if you don't see the ball bounce, mm. clearly it's been caught. Yeah. Uh, so I thought Minus got away with one there. The South Africans were rightfully upset and, uh, yeah, frustrating for them. In the end, he was out what turned out to be the last ball of the day. But before that, and aside from that, he played very well. He looked in very good form yesterday. Very good to watch. Oh, yeah. He loves batting on the SCG. He's got a double hundred there a couple of years ago. And he's a, he's a fantastic player on those wickets where they're a little bit slow. He can just wait for the ball. And he played some great shots after lunch, mm. square the wicket on both sides. And, 
geez, he's a good player, 79. You know, Australia has been yearning for mm. a solid number three since the great Ricky Ponting mm. left that spot. And it took probably 10 years to find a suitable replacement. And finally, Manus is mm. the man. Gee, it was funny uh, looking at social media when David Warner got out early on, how times change. What, what, where do you, I know we discussed this last week when Dave Warner uh, made the 200 and almost some were saying saved his career. Then disappointing yesterday, but you still see him going on for most of this year, maybe until after the 50 over World Cup. Yeah, so since we actually spoke, He's been announced mm. as joining the Fox Cricket yes. commentary team. Yes, yeah, saw and, that. Uh, Patrick Delaney from Fox Sports, uh, you know, trumpeted the announcement as not replacing Shane Warne and Andrew Simons, but the fact that they've lost such big personalities in the commentary box. Mm. They're looking to get some some more big personalities in, and David Warner certainly fits that bill. And, um, yeah, so I think we'll see him play through to the end of the 50-over World Cup later on this year, and then he'll he'll probably pull up stumps before next summer, mm. and we'll probably see him in the, the Fox cricket box rather than playing. Maybe you'll mix in the Big Bash yep. um, as well. Uh, now, let's talk about uh, how the day ended with the bad light. You mentioned what Steve Wall put on Instagram uh, last night. He said, uh, Test cricket needs to realise there is a lot of competition out there. Not using the lights when the players are off for bad light simply doesn't add up. Lots of unhappy spectators who can't understand the rationale and reason for no play. What do you make of that? And is there something that can be done about it? Because obviously it stopped for rain, but stopped for bad light first when it wasn't raining. Yeah, it's a tough one for the fans because they're there, they see the lights, doesn't look that dark, and they think they should be playing. Mm. But I, I actually have a lot of sympathy for the players in this, that it's not just when you're batting against a bowler bowling 140, 150 kilometres an hour. That's not easy. Mm. But then you've also got the fielders, and they don't have a sight screen. They've got the crowd behind them. So you might have a ball. If Say if you're fielding a gully, someone hits a ball at you, coming at you at 100 kilometres an hour. Mm. In that murky light, it's very hard to pick up. And, and that is the issue, that the, the, the lights don't pick up the red ball. Mm -hmm. That's why when they play day-night test cricket, they've had to develop a pink ball so it shows up under lights. So I guess... If cricket were to solve this problem, how to do that revolves around maybe finding a ball that stands out under the lights better. Mm -hmm. uh, but but there are some suggestions, Dan, that they think you should switch to the pink ball Mid -test, on, a, yeah. on a day like yesterday. Maybe, you know, after lunch they come out, it's dark. All right, let's just pull out a, red, a pink ball and replace the red ball. Mm. But... That is just not a good solution. In fact, it's crazy talk. It's it's lunacy because the balls are completely different. They are made differently. They act differently. And to the point where if you're selecting a team, mm. you may select a different team de determined by what the ball is. So mm. you can't be switching balls mid-test match. I, I think the ICC should be looking at a, a slightly brighter red ball that does do better under lights. Mm. But... I mean, the way the ICC moves, we could be waiting for a long time for this. And in the end, Dan, unfortunately, it's an outdoor sport. If the weather's bad, it's not football. If yeah. you can't see the ball, you have to go off. I can understand, though, the frustration from fans who pay good money to go and see a match. And I think they understand when it's raining. Um, obviously, it's part of the game. It always has been. And they understand really bad light. But I do understand when you go out there and you miss half the day, not because of the rain, but because of the bad uh, light. But again, there's, again, as you say, there's not a heap they can do about it. 
Would you re- would you consider, and I know there's been talk about this just before we go to the break, the Sydney test, there's always talk about the weather at this time of the year in Sydney. It's been institution to have the Sydney test at this time of the year for as long as I remember. Would there ever be any consideration to moving it to another time and maybe switching up the summer, or do you think it's here to stay? Uh, the way it's going at the Sydney test, wherever you moved it to, the it's rain probably would, would probably, rain, yes, the rain would probably follow you. So yep. uh, that's the issue. Um, mm. uh, look, the New Year's test has become an institution yep. and, and it's a real event in Sydney. Um, so it's kind of, you know, the pink test is so important. So I can't really see them moving it. Um, but, so I think it was, we've got it here in that New Year's period. Mm. Um and I just, we've just got to do some rain dances or, you know, get the prayer book out before the, the test match and just hope that we get, you know, enough play. It was raining when I made my way here into the studio this morning in oh, no, Sydney. No, Dan, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> but hoping it Good will. Good vibes clear only. Up. Yes, hoping it will uh, clear up. Joined in the studio for the full hour today by Andrew Mensel from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. one one 1170 our open line number. You can text anything about cricket. Ask him anything you want. 0457 736 736. After the break, uh, we're going to talk BBL. Of course, the Sydney Sixers game unfortunately washed out last night. But more so uh, the future of the BBL, the TV rights deal, and also what Australia have coming up in uh, the year of cricket, a big year for them overseas. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, the open line number. You can text 0457 736 736. It is 16 past five in New South Wales, 16 past four in Queensland. Break back with more. 21 past five in New South Wales, 21 past four in Queensland. Jason's text in saying, Dan, Happy New Year from Victoria. Yes, Happy New Year to you, Jason. Looking forward to having you on board for another big year, 2023. 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. Just before we get back to Andrew Mensel, he's in studio today from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. Just a bit of tennis news surrounding Nick Kyrgios. Uh, we know he pulled out of the United Cup campaign last week, citing an ankle injury. He's also also now decided not to contest the second week of the Adelaide International Tournament um, after the organisers confirmed the Aussie number one had pulled out of the event uh, due to begin the second week on January 10. Uh, he, so he's the world number 22 due to play in that second week of the Adelaide International, but now he will not play a game of tennis or a match of tennis before the Australian Open begins uh, next week, uh, well, Monday week, the 16th of January. So he'd want to be fit and ready to go for that. So disappointing for uh, the organisers of the Adelaide International, but let's hope Nick Kyrgios, uh, well, most people maybe hope, some maybe don't, will be fit and ready to go for that game, for that Australian Open starting at January 16th. And looking forward to that. We'll switch our attention to that more. So next week, Andrew Mensel in the studio from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. Any questions? Uh, 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. Now, Big Bash, um, we'll get to the TV rights deal in a moment. I've been away for a lot of the Big Bash. I've only been back for the past week. Um, seen bits and pieces of it. Obviously, these hours are sometimes a bit tricky to stay up <laughs> for the whole match. But it does seem, and I remember 12 months ago, we were talking about this when I was doing some overnight shows, that the Big Bash was sort of losing its way. It does have to, it does seem to have had a bit of resurgence this year. 
it certainly has had a bit of a bounce back from the last two years, and you would expect that after the COVID-affected seasons. And, mm. look, it, it's great you go out there. there. There's certainly more people at the grounds. There's a little bit more buzz about um, the, the games. And it doesn't hurt when there's a few controversial moments. You had that uh, Michael Nisa volleyball catch yes. against the Sixers, and you had the man-cad debate. So that's good. It fuels discussion. It gets the punters uh, fired up. But But I do think... Uh, there is an element of us actually accepting a, a different standard. Like if you compare the crowd figures from this season to say four years ago, mm. they're not a patch on those crowd figures. The crowd figures are still way down. But I think considering that the crowds during COVID and how affected it was, we are seeing a slight resurgence. And mm. how good is it, Dan? You know, you've been stuck in your house, not being able to go to a yeah. lot of sport for a lot, you know, a long period there. And then you can get back out at the big bash. I know, you know, in the last couple of years, there's been hardly any um, home games for the Sydney teams mm. because of COVID. So the fact that they were able to, uh, you know, get a normal season away now, everyone can get out there, have a good time with the family. Mm. That's fantastic. They've also got some more big names out here. You're going to see a lot of them leaving now. So you come into the climax of the competition and a lot of the big stars that you're seeing actually won't be here in a few days. Mm. They're heading off to various T20 competitions around the world. But all in all, certainly an improvement. And when you think about the heyday or heydays of the Big Bash, that was when it was on Channel 10. Everyone, like, I have friends that watch cricket but not religiously who would tune in nearly every night or would go out to some games or you'd go to the pub and watch it. That seems to have been lost, but hopefully it does come back. And that brings us to the next topic. Great segue, the, pro. Thank you. Uh, pro. With the TV rights deal. Um <laughs> Announced on Tuesday, Channel 7, Foxtel remaining uh, the joint holders. Now, I'll get to what it means for Test Cricket and One Day Cricket in a second, but just whilst we're talking Big Bash, reduced season. So I think it's gone from 61 to 43 games, which I think is good because I think one of the main criticisms of the Big Bash for the past few years is it just goes for too long. There's too much of it. So I think condensing it into a 43-match season, I think it's a great idea. I think it's a good idea, mm. and I don't think it's just about that it goes too long, but I think having a longer competition brings in a lot of other problems. So yep. one of those is attracting players from overseas. Mm. If it's a longer competition with more games and, you know, you're paying them a certain contract, you're paying less per game, it's also more time over here. Whereas if if it's a shorter competition, maybe we can attract better players. Um, you're, you're right. They're actually in the new TV deal. They've gone to a different model where there's going to be a game every night, basically at prime time, apart from Saturdays. I think Saturday is going to be a Fox only day, but there's going to be six days where pretty much at the same time every night, mm. like you were saying, your mates can just switch on and there'll be a big bash game on. Plus... Uh, Seven Plus have now got the rights yes. to stream while they broadcast on free-to-air. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge difference because at the moment, if you want to watch the Big Bash and stream it, you have to sign up for KO. Yep. So you won't have to do that, not from next season, but the season after. So I think that's really going to help the growth of the game. One thing the Olympics all taught us was how to use Seven Plus. So mm -hmm. I think we're all ready to go on that. does feel the right time to say you can hear all the Big Bash games on SCN as well. And, of course, test matches. Um, you're right, though. I think, yeah, 7 Plus having the streaming rights, I, I think even for test matches, that's important as well because sometimes, like, I think Fox coverage is good, but I must admit, I do flick between Fox and Channel 7. I think, in particular, the test match coverage, I think Channel 7's coverage is excellent, really. I, I don't know about you. I don't know which one you are. You're a lot of the time at the games, mm. but, yeah, I think Channel 7's coverage is very good. 
Look, I think both networks do a pretty good job with the mm. cricket. Um, I, I'm at the stage now where I kind of mute the commentary when I'm watching <laughs> cricket, um, but it's not to deal with the commentators. Um, but look, I think overall the fact that the cricket's staying with the same networks is yep. kind of good for the game. Mm. Uh, I know there's been a lot of problems between Channel 7 yeah. and Cricket Australia and they're well publicised, but th- there is an element of having to re-educate the public every time you switch networks. Mm. And, you know, had they moved to another network, then you have to go through that process again and tell everybody where to find the cricket. So yeah. um, I, both do good coverage. And, uh, yeah, I'm hoping, um, you know, this this deal really brings about a resurgence in the Big Bash. How serious do you think the Channel 10 Paramount Plus situation was? Do you think they were seriously looking at getting it? And would you have liked to have seen them go to that sort of streaming sort of platform along with sharing with Channel 10 and Foxtel? Yeah, um, it's, it's a good question, Dan. I've spent hours thinking about this. Um, reading the report, it doesn't seem like Cricket Australia were actually serious about going with Paramount. That, mm. That's that that seems to be coming out. The Cricket Australia, I think, wanted to keep their arrangement with Fox Sports. So that being locked in, then they were limited with free-to-air networks they could negotiate with. Came down to seven and nine. Nine have the Australian Open yep. tennis, so that kind of makes it difficult for them because that'll be pushing up against the climax of the Big Bash. And Channel 10 wanted everything mm. or nothing. Yep. And... Yep. I think at some stage, someone in Australian sport has to take the money from CBS. We cannot keep having this interest from overseas with deep pockets and just say no, because Mm. we need that investment in Australian sport. So eventually it needs to happen. Mm. Should cricket have done it? I'm not sure, because it's a huge risk to go with a new platform, a new streaming service. It's a massive change. Cricket has had a very challenging few years with the COVID and and everything around the sandpaper issue. So then to switch completely and revolutionise the coverage and go to a whole new platform, that's a massive leap. And if it doesn't go well, it could be a disaster. I suppose the problem for Channel 10 and Paramount now is you look at the big three sports in Australia, cricket, rugby league and AFL, they've all signed rights deals for at least the next five or six years, which leaves Channel 10 sort of, I know they've got the A-League and um, Paramount has the A-League as well. But other than that, they don't have a lot and they're going to have to wait a long time to get a major sport on their network if they ever do. That's right. And, um, you know, the head of Fox Sports was was saying that, that, you know, they've got all the tier one sports now and they're shared across the free-to-air networks. And uh, Paramount's, 10 Paramount's kind of out in the cold, which is no good for our friend Jaleesa Apps. Um, but, yeah, no. I, I, it's just one of those things that, um, you know, they didn't go with them. But there are some things that um, are frustrating me with the TV deal. Yep. One of them is that uh, the white ball internationals, so when Australia plays T20 and 50 over cricket, that is still behind a paywall. Mm. And I think that that's the end of those formats. Mm. We, we've seen this season and last season, no one's going to those venues to watch those games live. I'm sure they get good viewing on Fox Cricket, but apart from that, those games now are going to dwindle away. I think that mirrors what's happening in international cricket where the importance of those games starts to go away. But I think it's not good when the Australian team is playing cricket on home soil Mm. and it's not available on free-to-air because I know I've got a lot of friends. If it's on there, they would flick it on and watch it. And there was this series recently, Australia versus England, the three one-day internationals after the T20 World Cup. Yep. 
they've got a lot of criticism, but I still think if they were on free to wear, a lot of people would have just turned them on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cricket, so uh, that's not good about it. They've, they've switched the BBL finals for the new deal, so there's only going to be three Big Bash finals. So a top four will qualify. Then you'll have the first place go straight through to the grand final, and then you'll have two, three, and four play off to join them. Mm. So I think that's a bit thin, if you ask me. I would like at least four finals games because there's nothing better than knockout cricket. You know, it's like any sport. When it's lose and go home, it just adds that extra element. Yeah, I agree. I think the one day internationals should be one day internationals should actually be on um, free to air TV. I don't mm. see what, especially in Australia. I understand like internationals when they're playing overseas. I get that, but and and look, I think people think that. The only a lot of people just the, not like you, but the people who maybe just watch cricket uh, for the big bash and then for the test matches, that they forget about the one dayers now. Absolutely forget about it. Um, I want to talk to you about uh, the rest of the year before we uh, take a break and joined by a special guest, which I'll tell you about in a second. A big year for Australia in cricket. Uh, obviously finishing this summer of cricket, then they've got the India tour, they've got the England tour. How do you see the next twelve months shaping up for this Australian cricket team over our winter? Well, I mean, this this could really determine the, the sort of level of greatness of this Australian side. You know, Pat Cummins, if he has a good year and the Australian team has a good year, this could go down as one of the best Australian sides ever. Mm. We go to India where we haven't won since 2004. Then we go to England and play the World Test Championship final in June. We painfully missed out on that final uh, two years ago, so we could go there and win our first ever World Test Championship. That just runs straight into the ashes, and Australia haven't won there since 2001. Mm. And then straight after that, it's the 50-over World Cup. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of big ticket items for this Australian team. And, you know, if they were to win two or three of those, then this could go down as one of our best ever teams. I should also mention the the women's side are playing the T20 World Cup in South Africa. That starts pretty soon. Um, and they're looking to win three T20 World Cups on the trot. Okay. So, so much at stake for both Australian sides this year. Do you see it being a successful year for the Australia, both uh, men's and women's sides? Women's side, definitely. You can yep. just lock that in there. Just yep. stacked. Uh, I think they only lost one game in all formats last year, which is just incredible. Uh, for the the men's side, I, I I don't see them winning in India. I think they'll be competitive, but India is so good at home. Mm. They're just going to be tough to beat. So I, I can't really see Australia winning over there. But uh, from there, though, I can see Australia um, having a good year. You know, I think they could win the World Test Championship final. The Ashes is going to be fantastic because England are playing this baseball, this aggressive cricket. So you're going to have two teams battling it out. I, I can't pick a winner. I, I mean, I almost think we could see another sort of a two-all series like we saw in 2019 where both teams kind of share the spoils, which would mean Australia retained the Ashes. But then I think we've got a really good team for the 50-over World Cup. Okay. I think that team is looking really good. That's being played on India with Cam Green, um, you know, emerging as an all-rounder. I think we have a real chance at lifting that trophy. All right, another big year in cricket, and that is all for Makita this season. Makita is helping you rule the outdoors. We're going to take a break on the other side of this. Going to have a chat with Murray Cannell, and he's just done another big three trek to raise money for the McGrath Foundation. We'll talk to him all about that next. 0457 736 736, the text number, or you can call 1300 01 1170. Back with more just after this.
Sure is. Breakfast just over 20 minutes away. Jimmy Smith and Michael Carriana is taking you through the summer breakfast show from 6am Sydney time, 5am up there in Queensland. Joined in the studio today by Andrew Mentzel from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. We're just going to change tack just briefly and talk to a very special guest. Now, his name is Murray Canellan. He is on the line now. Um, he has just walked again uh, for, I think, the third year in a row, um, definitely the second year in a row, uh, from Sydney to Newcastle in three days. Days and they've just ticked over 100k raising money from the McGrath Foundation for Breast Cancer Research. Murray is on the line up nice and early. Morning to you, Murray. Morning, boys. I was actually just out getting a few more steps in. I haven't had, <laughs> haven't had enough in the last couple of days, so I sort of just ducked down and get the newspaper. Clearly not. How, how are you feeling before we get to the importance of all of it over the past uh, three days? It's a long way, Newcastle to Sydney. Yeah, the, the knees. It's probably the knees this time. A bit stiff in the, in the calves. I only, only got a couple of blisters. I did pretty well on the blister front this time around, so not too bad. I'm not I'm not near death like last year. No, well, that that's good. I'm, ve- I'm very, very happy about it. Uh, 100K just ticked over. It's an amazing effort by uh, not just yourself, but all the walkers that started on Sunday, got to Sydney on Wednesday, raising money for breast cancer, which, of course, uh, for people who don't know, has affected uh, your life with the awful, very sad passing of your uh, wife a couple of years ago. But uh, obviously that was a big inspiration for it. But tell us just a bit more about this walk and how it all started up. Yes, it was, it was three mates from Newcastle, sort of led by Luke Alexander. Um, one of their close friends was diagnosed with cancer, and they said, well, why don't we go for a walk? And I think they just did a, a big day-long walk up in Newey, and, and that got a little bit of momentum, and off the back of that, um, given that they're Newcastle boys, they started initially with the Mark Hughes Foundation. Mm. Back two years ago, they did their first big walk um, for the Mark Hughes Foundation, Coming off the back of that was where I started to get involved and um, Luke had been in contact with McGrath Foundation. And given the um, sort of winter-summer link, they got into summer and the cricket was around the corner. So that's where uh, Luke had started the groundwork for the for the first McGrath walk, mm. which was um, in January 2022. Um, and then that sort of, for me, that's where I sort of started to see it on social media. And it was probably... Um, in the few months after Nene's passing that I saw that and I thought, well, there's no better way to be able to, to give back to the McGrath Foundation who gave so much to Nene and I than to be able to uh, get the job done for them. So uh, last year we raised $130,000. This year we've just ticked over $100,000. So yeah, as a group, it was um, it was an incredible uh, little boost for us yesterday afternoon when we ticked over. It's just, just amazing. Yeah, Murray, great stuff. Men is here. Um, uh, look, we know how iconic the pink test is, and um, I just wonder if you could take the listeners inside, you know, how important the work is that the, the McGrath breast care nurses do. I know you had a really close relationship with your nurse, but yeah, if you could just take the listeners into how important that is. Yeah, well, like for anyone who's sort of been on the receiving side of a of a really bad diagnosis across a million different things that you can, you can be diagnosed with um, on the medical front, it's that confusion, especially early on. You can sit in some of those um, appointments and, and your head is spinning because they're telling you five different things and, and reminding you about four appointments and some scans you've got to get and then this and that. And and with the internet and Google, and some of those things that you'll Google are just, it's bad. And it's like Googling things I'll never recommend for anyone. Just speak to your doctor properly. 
um, and any of your nursing staff that you have. So for us, Helen was that um, sort of conduit between you'd come out and your head was spinning like, oh, sorry, Helen, like what did that mean or what does he mean by this or what do they mean by that? And she's able to just sort of be that link between knowing everything about it and then being able to sort of almost, it is dumbing it down because you go into things and I had no idea what stage four metastatic breast cancer meant and I didn't know what it meant for it to be hormone positive and for that, for then what it meant, right, well, that means no chance of kids because we've got to um, shut her down from an estrogen point of view. All those things early, you just your head is doing backflips. And then it starts to get into on a practical front where they can they book appointments for you. So instead of you having to be on the line, on hold, they can because they work and operate inside those hospitals, get around and just pop you into a into the queue and and get the job done there. And and for us, Helen, she found one of the drugs for us. Um, just a, a million things, but just all of it to make it easier on you. Sounds like an incredible amount of support that the McGrath breast care nurses offer. And it's just incredible what Glenn's done with the foundation and able to, you know, offer support to so many families around the country. You know, I think like in sports, everyone talks about legacy. And um, I think Glenn and his family and Jane and Tracy Bevan have have created one of the the great legacies for it to go um, beyond. uh, This one's the 15th. Um, to be on to, to go beyond a point where there may be a fair few cricket fans who rock up today not knowing who Glenn McGrath is or not know um, so many of his um, accomplishments. Like me being a, an early 2000s boy, he was the great. So even getting to shake his hand yesterday is another when I always sort of catch myself. You know, that's the big pitch um, that I'm saying hello to. So for them to create a legacy like that, I think they're into the 180s in terms of breast cancer nurses across Australia. It's a free service, like if you ever got diagnosed, man or woman with breast cancer, um, you can just reach out or, or jump on their website to find where your nearest um, breast care nurse is. So, yeah, for them to create what they've created and, and the CEO, Holly Masters, is, is one of the most driven women that I've met, and along with Tracy Bevan, who continues to do it for her best friend, um, they're, they're inspirational, and that's why it, it makes it easier to go, right, yeah, I can front up. New Year's Day and, and start walking. And Murray, a lot of people a lot of people over the past two years have joined you on the walk, including a lot of big names, famous sports stars, TV stars as well, putting uh, into their time uh, doing this walk, which is just amazing. Yeah, like, and, and for a lot of people, um, we have those. And then we just have the, the average Aussie, Karen Madison from, um, from up, in, um, up in Newcastle, up at Caves Beach. She's raised $17,000 this year. She walked 150 Ks with us. She was diagnosed with breast cancer last year. She did the first walk. She did the 50 Ks. I think she had about six weeks off between her radiation ending and her doing the 50 Ks. Like to see her marching every day made me want to keep going. Um, You'll see some stories today uh, throughout the coverage of of some women. And then I get to go to the the Jay McGrath High Tea on, on day three where one of our trekkers... Phoebe, she was diagnosed 28, and that was the weekend of her hen's party when she was diagnosed. And they they stopped their lives, reorganised the wedding nine days later. Um, so yeah, just a, a terrific bunch of humans, and it, um, we had a good a good. It was a, it was a tough every day. It was a 12 hour slog of sort of 50k, and then mm. at night it was nice to be able to um, meet a few people and share a bevy, um, or three or four. <laughs> 
<laughs> Who's counting? Hydration. Yeah, exactly. Very important. <laughs> Murray, great stuff. You and everyone involved is doing uh, again for a wonderful, wonderful course. Thanks for getting up nice and early and maybe go on a nice morning walk now, Murray. Yeah, I might head down the beach, do a couple of laps. Yeah, why not? Why not? Thank you, Murray. We'll chat again soon. On your boys. Murray Canallan are doing great stuff uh, on behalf of the McGrath Foundation and a very, very important cause. Uh, a text here just before we let you go. Uh, Andrew, the hours are gone quite cl- quickly. This from Jason on 0457 736 736. Says, Sorry, boys, but cricket has to do better with their light rule. They have to adapt, either make it a pink ball day slash night test or use a pink ball for the whole game so the lights can be used during the afternoon. It's 2023, having 30,000 people sitting there watching nothing because the light has gone under uh, some made-up level isn't good enough. Officials and players have to adapt. That from Jason in Windsor. In about a minute, uh, your reaction to that? Absolutely. Look, look, as I said, I really understand the fans' frustration with this, but it's just not that simple. The, The pink ball actually doesn't work that well in daytime settings. So you'd be really compromising the game by using a pink ball for a day test. If they were to switch to a day-night test for New Year's, I actually don't mind that idea. It could be a bit of fun, uh, fits in with that holiday period. You can get up a bit later. But also day-night tests are very short, so it could be like a a three-day test every year. But Mm. certainly that would solve the light issue. Might be something to have to look at if it continues to be a problem in Sydney. Andrew, great stuff. When's your next podcast with Paul and Jalisa? Oh, we're doing daily wraps of the test match. The other thing they need is a roof at the SCG, <laughs> and that might be a good thing. Should have bought a roof at the new Allianz Stadium. But anyway, that's another issue for another day. Andrew, great stuff. Have you enjoyed your hour in here at SCG? I have enjoyed the, the hour, Dan. Have I done okay? Uh, you've done a very good job. And you're heading to SCG today? I am, yep. Yeah, I behaved myself on air. You know, yep. I didn't get loose like on the podcast. So. That's good. That's good. I want a show tomorrow, and I've got one. So <laughs> that is good. Thank you, uh, Andrew. Hopefully we see some cricket again today as yeah, well. Yeah, likewise. Thank you, Andrew. We'll take a break. Uh, come back and wrap things up in just a second. 0457 736 736 is the text number. We can call 1300 01 1170. It's 11 to 6 in New South Wales, 11 to 5 in Queensland. And just on the big bash for Isuzu, uh, it was uh, no result between uh, Brisbane and Sydney. Uh, uh, Sydney Sixers rained out North Sydney, unfortunately, because it was sold out. But the Thunder got a win over the Perth Scorchers. Thunder winning by 18, with 18 balls left by six wickets tonight. Adelaide Strikers taking on the Hobart Hurricanes. On the text 0457 736 736. This one from the Yeovil Treeman says, Hi, Dan. Great show today. Yeah, very good having Andrew in the studio. Uh, being somewhat of a cricket tragic, love listening to a such a broad range of topics. Thanks, uh, the Yeovil Treatment. Pleasure. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed the last hour. We might get him in uh, again a little later down uh, the track. Just thought we'd do something different, of course, with the Sydney test on, and hopefully that rain does clear up. That's in and around Sydney at the moment, and we get uh, at least some play today at the SCG. Last night in the NBL, good win for the Sydney Kings. They defeated South East Melbourne Phoenix uh, at Kudos Bank Arena. Sydney Kings 118 over the South East Melbourne Phoenix 102. So well done to the Sydney uh, Kings. A uh, bit of news around the Broncos. Young gun Tessie New has been granted an immediate release from the final year of his contract with the Red Hill Club. Uh, he's played 32 times for the Brisbane Broncos and scored 11 tries after after making his debut in round four of the 2020 season against uh, the Roosters. It looks like uh, he's going to go to the Dolphins and link up with Wayne Bennett. And just on the Dolphins, it looks like Jesse Bromwich is set to create history by becoming the club's first ever 
captain. So a bit of rugby league news floating around early part of 2023. Thanks for your company today. Jimmy Smith and Michael Carianis coming up uh, for breakfast after the news. Uh, SEN cricket commentator Phil Jakes will join them and also Paul Smith. He'll be very happy after the Sydney Kings win last night. On our show tomorrow, we'll look at a big week and weekend of the EPL with Jonathan Gallo, Chris Perkins, the latest from America, and we'll wrap up the second day of the third test. Thanks to your company. Breakfast follows the news. I'll see you tomorrow morning from 5am. Have a great day.